What's up, guys? I'm Matt. And I'm Will. And this is the Carolina Way Podcast. Bernard to the 40. Will they catch him? Inside the 20. Giovanni Bernard. Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. The ceiling is the roof. That's what it's all about right there. That's on the floor. That's on your shirt. That's in your heart. That's why we're all here. What a great day to be a freaking Tar Heel, Will. That's right. GDT bath, baby. Wonderful day. I know we were all very nervous going into this game. No one quite knew which Tar Heel team would be coming out, especially after our performance against Clemson. Duke, the same with Miami. Two bad performances and put both teams in a real must-win situation tonight in Durham. And I'm so glad Carolina was able to find a way to get that win tonight. I'll go ahead and tell you, it looked like the best performance of the year and the best game to have the best performance of the year. Caleb Love, enough said. I don't even have to name his stats. We know what he did. We know what he means to the rivalry now. It was a great win. It was almost a must win. And, man, I hope this is the game that put Duke out of the tournament. Yeah, we can finally say that we, for the first time ever perhaps, busted Duke's bubble to get into the tournament. Yeah. Never thought that would happen ever. First time since 1960 when Roy, Roy Williams was nine years old, Coach K was 12 years old, just we little lads, <laughs> was the last time that these two teams met that were not ranked. In fact, Charlie Scott got a scholarship to UNC to become UNC's first black athlete on a scholarship in 1967. And both teams weren't ranked for the first time since 1960. Just to put that into perspective for you, just absolutely incredible. But the stakes could not be higher tonight. They were, they lived up to it. The energy, you could still feel it difference in the game versus a Clemson, Miami, Georgia Tech. The game absolutely meant something. Players felt it. And we had to deal with TV Teddy tonight. We were up against it. Coach K whiny. He had a mask off like the whole game, complaining, yelling, and everything, make sure his point was getting across. And we still persevered, played hard. We had to deal with foul trouble. Leaky Black, supposed to be our best defender on the team, Roy Williams tells us. He was in foul trouble the whole, the whole night. Dealt with that, but guys stepped up that you did not expect, and that's the real silver lining tonight. Yeah, if you want to talk about energy, all we have to say is 91 points. I mean, this team just hardly could score at all against Clemson last game, uh, and they come in. I mean, Duke was shooting the ball well. Carolina, man, absolutely shooting the ball well. You know, these two teams have played for ACC regular season championships. These two teams have played for some big-time odds, big-time reasons, but to make the NCAA tournament, it isn't what we all want to be. It isn't the situation we want to be in, but for us to win this one, it could have been one of the most important Carolina and Duke games, uh, especially in recent history, and for us to come out on top. Let's go ahead and, you know, evaluate some of the performances a little bit. Caleb Love with 25 points, 7 assists. Um, The first Carolina freshman to have 25 and 5 since Ty Lawson. We know what Ty Lawson did for the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He won us a national championship. Caleb Love hasn't done that yet, but he has beat Duke and he slammed one right on Duke's head to begin the game. 
What do you think of Caleb Logan tonight, Will? Watch your head, Jack, <laughs> because he's coming in hard. Man, Caleb Love just got us going tonight, and I loved seeing it. You compare him to Ty Lawson. I, you know, going into this game, especially this um, ACC play, I'm not really sure what Caleb Love's going to bring to the team this year. Maybe a year moving forward, if he's going to go into the draft. You see Cole Anthony, Kobe White in the past, bring so much to the team, and you see how much talent they have shooting the ball, getting to their spots, shots, passing to an extent with Cole Anthony, especially. But in every aspect of the game so far this year, Caleb Love just hasn't lived up to that, which is fine because freshman guards, they're just an anomaly to see what Cole and Kobe have done in the past few years. So to see um, Caleb Love come out and do something that rivals the performance factor and um, ability of Cole and Kobe is just incredible to see. It was his absolute coming out show tonight. I know he had Freshman of the Week honors a few weeks ago that we discussed, but he's got to get it after a performance like this. It was fantastic, especially in the moment that he needed it most. Duke is so good with ramping up the pressure on opposing teams, especially at Cameron, no matter if fans are there or not. They can speed you up, get to play fast, get their threes up, get shots, and we were able to shoot with them tonight. Caleb Love, what impressed me most was his seven assists. I didn't see that at all coming from him as well. Got to the rim, got to his spots, hit a few threes as well. He had a phenomenal performance. It was one of those performances where, you know, I came into the night's game saying the upperclassmen have to step up because fans or no fans, a freshman going into this rivalry, you know, it's tough to perform well. Only the greats mostly perform well in this rivalry. But Caleb Love, you know, he really earned the respect of not only Carolina fans, but of, I think, everybody was watching this game. Let's be honest. I don't care if they were ranked or they were, if weren't ranked. Everybody was watching this game. Caleb Love showed the world what he can be if he's consistent. And he shot the ball well. We also, you know, I give the bigs. I changed the uh, stepping order of the bigs a couple weeks ago. I named Baycott the president and Garrison, the vice president, and man, did they live up to their roles also. You know, the vice president, Garrison, he got us started early, 10 points right out the gate. And then Baycott, although he struggled early, you know, took care of business late. I love to see uh, Dayron come off the bench and drop 11. We know what he can do. We didn't get too much from our bench tonight, but having that big force come off the bench was big time. What did you think of uh, the bigs? We know about Armando Baycott. He's the new president of the Bigs, and he's delivering on his campaign promises. He's stepping up. He's doing his thing, working the post, the best of the Bigs already. He's trying to show everyone else how to do it right. Good performance by Baycott. Came back from a disappointing Clemson game for him, but played well. Very happy to see it. Consistent. Garrison Brooks. I loved his length on the defensive end tonight. So many times he was able to get into the passing lanes and make a steal, get a pass. Even when the ball was on the court a couple times, he was able to get, be the one that got the ball. Fine Armando, he gets fouled and really was a playmaker. Even though um, Garrison only had four assists, it felt like he created a whole lot more opportunities than that. His passing, his presence on the court was very good. 
and his baseline jumpers. Good lord. I have never seen him shoot it that confidently in a game before. He wasn't shooting these threes. We've seen that before. Didn't really know his spots. Maybe the top of the key. He's been shooting some of those just inside the, the arc. Dayron had done some of those in the past. But today Garrison really knew his spots on the court well and was shooting it really well. And the only times they didn't go in, it was just rattling out of the rim. So um, Garrison had a great performance today. And that's what you want in the vice president of the bigs, don't you? Oh, yeah. You want a calming presence. You want someone that can come in, be consistent for you, lead other people, but then also support the president, yeah. which he did in Armando Bacot. And let me say this. In a game where there's uh, so much intensity and so many great performances, I dare say that Leaky Black might have had his best performance as a Tar Heel. And, it, and the numbers don't stand out like crazy. And I'm critical of Leaky probably more than anybody. But Leaky Black had 12 points. But man, an efficient 12 points. Four for four. That mid-range game was looking beautiful. Um, he also hit the pretty much the game-winning free throws for us. Way to be an upperclassman, Leaky. You know, the tw 25 points for Caleb Lowe jump out. Baycott jumps out, the bigs jump out, but Leaky Black might have been the most valuable player for the Tar Heels tonight. Leaky Black, 68% free throw shooter on the year, steps up, goes 3 of 4 in crunch time, and you know everyone's knees were shaking even if you were sitting on the couch watching, and he stepped up and was big time, especially after last year where we blow the game away because of our free throw shooting, and to rectify that tonight by being the one to get the ball in your hands late in the game. He could have not gotten open. He could not have cut to get the ball. There's other guys on the court. We had timeouts. We could have gotten it to uh, Garrison Brooks, uh, Caleb Love, Kerwin to get the free throws. But Leakey stepped up and wanted those. And I'm very glad that he showed that leadership because I think that's one area that UNC has needed throughout the season was some more veteran presence and stepping up to make these big plays late in the game which Leakey did tonight, and that really showed me a lot about him that I didn't really know before. Also, Leakey was, as I said before, in foul trouble most of the game. He had at least one charge called against him that was, of course, could have gone either way. It might have been another one as well. So he was not getting his way with the officials tonight, but like you said, he was still efficient. He would post up outside at three, even though he did make one. He would fake, go in, hit a mid-range shot, and he was picking and popping with those all night long. His elevation was great, and as I've told you and all my friends before, if Leaky Black can elevate to get his shot, no one is blocking it due to his length on the court. And I hope that he only takes this as a stepping stone moving forward because we know how much better of a player he can be, especially slashing to the rim. He could be like Caleb Love getting to the rim with his length on the court. So I hope this gives him a lot of confidence because he's a heck of a ball player. Yeah, we all know he has a crazy high ceiling, um, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention probably my favorite, favorite Tar Heel on the team and Kerwin Wall and another freshman um, that will be here some years, I believe, came in and shot four for four from the three-point line. Um, it weren't just that he made shots, it's the shots that he made, um, some really crucial shots, which you know, he's kind of taken that role for us this year. He really hits the shots we need, um, not just the shots we want. Man, I love, I say it every episode, I love Kerwin Walton. 
and once again, he showed up for us. The team just shot unreal tonight on the floor, 53%, but a three. Shot 10 to 15 for 66%. And we were, and Duke was doing their part early too. I think both teams started like three to three each from three at least it seemed like. We had to do our part to keep up with Duke. And we got off to a nice lead tonight. We never see that happen. Usually we're just hoping that we're within a few points going into the under 16 timeout, but today we're up 11-3. It was a game of similarly in the past against Duke. Um, you know, not really sure how we're going to come out, but had an early lead against them, and then second half had a 12-point lead. I think it was 60-48 to 48 at one point, and Duke slowly was able to climb back, and it's easy to give up at that point once the team has been down the whole game, right behind you, and then in the last minutes, let them get the lead. We led the whole second half. Duke had the lead for, I believe, just a couple points in the first half. But UNC showed a lot of resilience tonight by holding Duke off consistently throughout the game and getting leads. You know, one of my favorite things about the three-pointing shooting is, you know, when you're making them at that rate, it's easy to become carried away with shooting them. But we only shot 15, which is not a crazy amount. Duke made 11, we made 10, but Duke shot 25, and we only shot 15. It's awesome that, you know, we stayed cool, calm, collected, made them, but didn't become, uh, you know, obsessed with them. We continued to rely on our bigs, and uh, that was one of the great things. It's almost like the team's growing up in front of us. And that's another thing about Caleb Love as well. We've always seen him when the offense is sputtering, He's the guy that is always taking it upon himself for whatever reason because he should not be the one doing it. We should be going into the bigs, vice president, president, <laughs> big hot. And Caleb Love would jack up a three, miss it, maybe not even hit the rim, and then a bad shot always turns into good points for the other team on a fast break. And Caleb Love was very composed tonight, just going back to him, and he didn't force it, and that also made it um, – then what carried over to the rest of the team to not force it themselves. I'm not sure if someone, Roy or Garrison, had told the players to be a whole lot more collected, but it sure did work. And even though both teams did have double-digit turnovers, UNC did capitalize on Duke's turnovers. While we're still not handling the ball as well as we should be, we were able to actually press and do it what UNC does, which is moving the ball up the court in fast break transition and doing that better than we have all season long. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we already have our one organization, the Bigs, on our team. But if Caleb Love continues to shoot like this, we might have the new Splash Bros. And we know, we know Kerwin is the president of the Splash Bros. But, Caleb, you, you keep it up. We're going to have some brothers some Splash Brothers. Oh, the, there's oh, no pre, there's no president when it comes to the Splash Brothers. It's <laughs> it's all about Big Brother, Little Brother, uh, yeah. and Kerwin Walton. Right now, he's a freshman, least highly touted recruit of all of them. But guess what? He's a Big Brother, and he's saying I can play too. Y'all didn't think much about me because I'm not as highly ranked, but he knows his skill and role in the team, and that's what gets you drafted is being highly specialized in one area. Right. And Kerwin, when you shoot four four, it's going to get you noticed, especially in UNC Duke. And uh, Will, talking about these UNC guards, these great UNC guards, makes me want to transition into the NBA this week, right? 
the association. The Can't wait. Yeah, the association. So we, you know, we always name our Tar Heels in the NBA performer and moment of the week. I'll go ahead and tell you who the performer of the week, and it's an easy one. Harrison Barnes, the Black Falcon. You know, everybody at Carolina loves him. Um, went absolutely berserk this week. He dropped 24 on the Pelicans, dropped 24 on Boston. I'm sorry to tell you that, Will. And then tonight he dropped 28 on Denver in a great win. Uh, man, Harrison Barnes is looking like his Carolina self right now. Well, you know what? It's all right that Harrison Barnes did what he did against the Celtics and beat my Celtics. I was watching, yes, I was, at 10 o'clock, that late West Coast game, you know, the vibes. But I'll tell you what, a little inside scoop from watching the NBC Sports Boston crew. Kendrick Perkins, Big Perk, Brian Scalabrini, Scal, Mike Gorman, the, the man, they really want Boston to use our trade exception to get Harrison Barnes from the Kings give up some draft picks, young player maybe a Peyton Pritchard, and then bring a bigger contract and a tw uh, low 20 million to Harrison Barnes into the Celtics. They were infatuated by his performance, and I was too. Of course, I love Harrison Barnes, and he did his thing, and he's just so explosive. He was able to get to the rim so well against the Celtics, and he has a great shot, of course, and um, he has exactly what the Celtics are looking for, which is kind of the four presence where he's very athletic, quick, can guard really well, and doesn't mind being the fourth scorer on the team. He doesn't have any ego issues, which you rarely see in the NBA because you have to be such an alpha to get your shots and perform very well. But it seems like he has no problem delegating to the next player on the team. If a Buddy Heald's going off that game or De'Aaron Fox, he has no problem taking a back seat to them. And you love that in a teammate. And that's part of the Carolina way is supporting your teammates. And he is one of the most respected players in the league because of that. We know, uh, we know Barnes is special, man. He's a real smart guy, uh, known for that also. He's always been a real talented guy. Um, and in the league, you know, he was drafted high. People coming out of high school said he was the new Michael Jordan. Don't forget, Barnes was the number one ranked recruit. Uh, Obviously not new Michael Jordan. There's not a new Michael Jordan. But all he needs in his NBA career is consistency. And, you know, this week was one of the most consistent weeks of his career. He's dropping prime numbers. He's dropping all-star numbers. And uh, it looks like a few guys are going to drop out of the all-star game in the NBA. Maybe we need to vote Barnes in, and he, he can play forward uh, for the West. And it's not like he's playing against trash teams either. The Celtics and Denver after Jokic dropped 50 points tonight, and then also casually against the Pelicans as well. So, but now, before we get into our moment of the week, the Carolina Way podcast, I gotta give a special honorable mention to our boy, Nasir Little this week, having the game of his NBA career, game of his life. He never did this in Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> he dropped over 30 points the other night in a loss. But he started the game, hadn't gotten to start, hadn't had too many opportunities in his career with Portland. But came out, I didn't happen to see the game, but I was absolutely stunned to see him drop 30 points, shooting it at a very efficient rate. And I couldn't be more excited for him. So I hope that this really helps him start to establish himself in the NBA. Because don't forget, he was a first round pick and he is got an enormous amount of talent. So, 
if anyone can make that translate to being a more um, bona fide starter, maybe even all-star at some point, he definitely has the intangibles to get to that level. Yeah, I just uh, wish, you know, health and good luck to him. Like you said, he has the physical abilities, no doubt about it. I think as he gets older, it gets a little bit more basketball IQ. The ceiling's probably, uh, uh, ceiling is the roof for Nazir Little. Um, man, I'd love to see Andy Tar Hill do great things. You know, he, he really came along for Carolina at the end of his freshman year, too. He got better, and it looks like he's continuing to get better. And he's in a good situation, too, in Portland. I, I think it's a very good organization. We love McCollum and Dame. He's in a good spot there. Now, for our Carolina Way, the Carolina Way podcast, moment of the week. We had some Tar Heel on Tar Heel crime for two days in a row. This should be illegal after seeing it once. If you're and, s- sorry, if you're sensitive, uh, please turn it down for about uh, 15 seconds. If you're a Kobe White fan, but don't turn it off. <laughs> keep it rolling, <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby. Keep it rolling. <laughs> keep it rolling. The Carolina Way podcast. So. First, we have the Bulls Magic. We told y'all we were going to get the stream for this. We couldn't find the stream. We tried. We're sorry. We were trying to get down to the game. They shut us down. We apparently don't have enough viewers yet. But the Magic, game one against the Bulls, beat them. And then the next game, Chicago gets them back. Kobe White and Cole Anthony didn't have big performances, but they did enough to split the series, which is all we want. Fine. But in the first matchup, Cole got the better of Kobe when he pulled him out, started about to drive at him, brought it back out a little bit to get an isolation play on Kobe White. Cole Anthony looks up to Kobe White. That's his mentor, even though they never played together at Chapel Hill. Kobe and Cole have played together in the summer, going into Cole's freshman year. They know plenty about each other. Cole started driving into Kobe, gave him the nice chest, elbow, and sent Kobe flying to the ground while Cole got an N one blocking foul on the play. And it was an incredible play by Cole Anthony. He made Kobe look pretty bad and off his feet. And Cole still had the balance to get the M one on the play. Yeah, we, we both know that uh, Cole's got a little bit of strength advantage on Kobe. You know, I said on the last episode that I believe both of these guards will be all-star guards, maybe even on uh, the same team one day. Uh, I hate to see, you know, that Carolina on Carolina crime, but Kobe will get him back. Trust me, Kobe will get him back. Let me say this. I haven't looked at the uh, highlights of tonight's game. The Bulls absolutely killed the Magic, I think, unless the Magic came back. Um, He might have got him back tonight. Definitely got him back uh, in the result. Kobe and Cole, I would love for these guys to play together. You know, I wish we could have saw it at Carolina. Cole is having an awesome rookie year, competing for rookie of the year. LaMelo will probably get him, but still having a great season. And Kobe's continuing to get better and better every day. Um, I hated to see it, but I actually love to see it. (laughs) (laughs) You really do love to see it, don't you? All we want right now for these players is to be getting minutes, being healthy, and very fortunately, both have been healthy and are getting huge minutes this year. And they both have other competent players on their team. Kobe White has Zach Levine, who casually dropped 39 points in their game tonight. He'll be an all-star, no doubt. And then um, Cole Anthony has maybe the most underrated player in the NBA, Vucevic. No one's even heard of this guy. And he's 
I think he dropped 42 points um, in the game before against the Bulls. So they both have nice little pieces with them that can help them grow. It's not by them by any means. And I think that's important because, um, especially with young guards, they need to know it's not always about them. It's a, a lot about playing with the other four guys on the court and utilizing the strengths and mismatches. So um, can't complain right here. They're doing all they need to. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to some more of these matchups. Hopefully in the playoffs one day. That would be something else. Yeah. That was a uh, great moment of the week. Uh, we've had some great ones, but, you know, that was – it's rare that you get some Carolina on Carolina, like a Carolina Carolina action. Um, as much as I've enjoyed talking basketball, because man, did we mention we beat the hell out of Duke tonight? I don't know if we mentioned it, but we did. Um, let's go on to a little bit of football. We have two big news, two big time things that dropped this week. Uh, we got a recruit, Dante Balfour. I don't know how to say his last name. I think it's Balfour. Um, new three-star recruit. He came out of Florida, 2021 class, last second thing. Uh, I think our 2021 class is number 12 in the nation. So we are competing with the top of the top now in recruiting. But something else happened that's going to impact recruiting. We made a hire. You want to talk about that, Will? That's right. We hired Larry Porter, your Carolina Way podcast. Gave you a little insight on this the episode before we thought that it was going to be Larry Porter. He actually coached along under Mac at Texas as well, and then he came to UNC for a few years. He was a head coach at Memphis for a couple years, so he's been around very experienced, been at the top of the game for the past few years at Auburn, top program, SEC, and I'm very happy with it. It's another slam dunk. We trust Mac 100% with his coaching hires because he's absolutely nailed every single one so far. The recruiting's been great and the best part about it is that there's no nothing at all to complain about. The program is in the exact position we want it to be in. From what it seems, uh, Larry Porter's best attribute is his recruiting. And you know, I don't know if we need more, but we can we will take a better recruiting uh, coach. We already have Dre Bly, who is absolutely dominating. Like I said, we got a uh, we got a defensive player this week. That's of course Dre Bly bringing these guys in. If Larry Porter can get us some running backs, get us some offensive power, uh, firepower, we will take it. I'm so happy to welcome Coach Porter to Chapel Hill, and the future for Carolina football is looking bright. The future for Carolina basketball is looking bright. Do we have anything to complain about right now? Well, I'd say for Carolina football. It's absolutely sunny, 72 degrees, yeah. but it's getting hotter. It's, yeah. it's, that, it's that 72 degrees in January weather. Yeah. So it's only going to be getting about 9,500 degrees soon. Sunscreen weather, UV, but UNC basketball right now, it's about partly cloudy, <laughs> yeah. partly sunny. It's partly sunny. You got to look on the bright side. And we definitely are after that performance tonight. Duke, it's thunderstorms. It's bad right now. I don't even know what Coach K said in his press conference after that game. It's another huge blow to Duke this week. It lowers their ESPN BPI chances to, I believe, 17% after that loss. UNC is now at 91%. And my bold prediction, 
I've been thinking about it for a little bit, but after tonight, it absolutely confirmed it. My bold prediction on the Carolina Way podcast is that Coach K will cancel the Duke men's basketball season before the ACC tournament. I still think that he thinks he can weasel his way into the, the dance still, but they're going to lose some more games upcoming. They'll lose a game to State because they always do. They'll lose some other games. They'll lose to us senior night, maybe. We'll see. And right before the ACC tournament, just so it doesn't look like he's just skipping the NCAAs, they're going to cancel their season. You heard it here first. Listen, Tyus Jones, Jason Tatum, Gerald Henderson, they're not walking through that door. Do you hear me? Duke. Let's just let's just watch Duke and Kentucky fight it out at Rucker Park because we're not watching them on ESPN anymore. Okay, they're poverty programs. We're on our way up. I don't know if you heard, but we're going to the moon. Okay, we're going to the moon, Will. Okay, so I don't even want to hear about Duke. Doge is going to the moon. GameStop is going to the moon. AMC is going to the moon, and UNC basketball is going to the moon. And Caleb Love is going to the moon, okay? But Duke and Kentucky and Kansas. What is what is Kansas? Who is that? I mean, I don't know if the fans are what brought these programs up. I don't know what it was, but I'll go ahead and tell you, stop putting them on ESPN. Continue to put the heels on ESPN because we're on our way up. This is UNC's first game on ESPN in quite a while. I'm tired of watching the ACC Network and watching the Packer and Durham commercials. I'm tired of it. And Packer saying on the ad, I'm ready to go. I'm tired of it. <laughs> I cannot stand that anymore. That music has been ingrained in my head, and it's a tough place to be, and I don't like it. <laughs> I want to say that, I mean, Blue Bloods, you know, Blue Bloods haven't been great this year. But if Carolina makes it to the tournament, and God forbid we go on a run in the tournament, there is one blue blood. One. UCLA lost it a long time ago. Duke lost it this year. Kentucky lost it this year. Kansas lost it. Kansas lost it this year. We are the only one left. Now I would love to have that discussion with you about blue bloods because I think you definitely see a little differently than me. You actually think there's a new class of blue blood programs yeah. in the NCAA. I don't think so. I think these Blue Bloods are here to stay, and there's always a little some programs here and there that pop out that you may think are taking that step to a UNC Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, but they aren't, and I'm here to tell you, do you that wanna, they are. Do you want to do this? I would love to, I okay. would love to do right. this. Let me present my case to the jury, okay? Listen, the one-and-done era has changed basketball forever. Um, uh, unless, unless by happens chance we go back to where we were 10 years ago but these coaches the K's the cows the uh, who is that Kansas coach what is Bill, it? Self. Bill Self Bill Self who I don't even know who Bill Self is anymore okay um I thought Snoop Dogg was Kansas's coach I don't know um, but anyways they're they're relying on these one and done so much and Roy has got in on the action a little bit and you know I'm not a big fan of the one and dones okay but the Villanovas, the Virginias, the Gonzagas, they haven't really relied on the one and dones as much, and it's really propelled them. I'm not saying they're here to stay. I'm not saying they're the true blue bloods. They will never be the true blue bloods. Okay, you got to be great for 60 years 
to be a true blue blood. But I will say this, for now, they're laughing at us, okay? They're laughing at, they're laughing at our 18-year-olds missing layups. They're laughing at our 18-year-olds. They're laughing at our coaches coming on the, uh, to the post-game press conference saying, guys, you got to bear with us. We're young. Because they're not young and they're winning. We'll be all right. I don't want to say the sky's falling. I'm not chicken little, okay? But stop relying on the 18-year-olds. They're great, but they're not team leaders. And, and you know, we have Garrison. We have Leakey. These guys stepped up tonight. Baycott, even, is a sophomore. We have to have those guys. And you're seeing with Kentucky, they don't have those guys. And, you know, that's just that, that's my argument, Will. Well, that's the difference about UNC's program versus some of the other Blue Bloods. We're still, of course, a Blue Blood, but we don't always rely on having an all-freshman class or like Duke some years where you don't even have a senior on the team on senior night. Just ridiculous. We've at least always had that. So that's why even last year it's a little surprising because we've had the veteran leadership, but sometimes even our talent does not progress from freshman year to senior year to carry on the Carolina tradition. My only thing is when you have a program that steps up like a um, Texas Tech a year ago or where they have a good little run, you can't just proclaim that they're going to be a powerhouse to come. Virginia, of course they're great. They've always been great. So you can't say that all of a sudden they're like this new shiny toy. Virginia, they've had a great basketball tradition. They've historic ACC powerhouse, um, national championship, long coming. It's been a long time. I don't know if they've had one before, but um, well-deserved, whatever. Gonzaga, um, Gonzaga still hasn't gotten it done. I, I still think Gonzaga may laugh at us, but Gonzaga goes to bed every night thinking, when are we going to win a championship? Because they just keep getting shutting down, especially by UNC in the championship a few years ago. That's just got to eat them up. I mean, we come to their place and they yell all these things like NIT, NIT a year ago, doing what they can, but they have a tear in their eye because all those players, for the most part, hurt. have a championship ring on their finger, and Gonzaga does not. So we, all these Blue Bloods, we still got what they want. They haven't done anything yet. Virginia, don't count them in this second tier. They are, they're a great team. They're just not a Blue Blood, but you could basically consider them in a historic powerhouse as well. But Gonzaga, they, they still have a lot to prove. And maybe this year is the year that they do it. Who knows? But it is a quarantine year, so that's all I got to say to that. 2021 asterisks. <laughs> Those Mickey Mouse rings is what they call them in the NBA. Um, that's what NBC Sports Boston calls it. <laughs> but anyway, but I would say this. There is levels to it, right? So as much as I joke, as much as I'm frustrated maybe with how college basketball has went, you have to sustain excellence. I don't know if people realize, but Kansas and Carolina basketball has been good for 60 years. 60 years. I don't care if Villanova wins five championships in 20 years. That's not 60 years. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, we won't know if they're Blue Bloods until 20 years from now because they have to sustain that. Um, I just, uh, you know, I want to focus on these these college players. You can get the talent. You can get one or two one-and-dones. But, you know, just focus on uh, – I miss the days when Carolina and Duke played and you hated the guys because you had to see them every year. You saw them for three years. I used to hate John Shire. I was only like nine years old, but I hated him because every year for four straight years, 
He was absolutely making it rain on Carolina, and I'm sure they felt the same about Hansborough. So that's all. I just want to get back to the old ways of college basketball, and, and we may. But there's argument. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember that Duke fans hated, who was it, uh, like Marcus Page, Joel Berry, yeah. like one of them or something like that, and they they absolutely loved that. I mean, after their last game at Cameron, I think that might have been the year where we clinched the ACC championship regular season. Mm -hmm. And after the game, Duke fans, you know, turned at that point and they realized we weren't going to be playing each other necessarily anymore. And they respected, I think it was Joel Berry, Marcus Page, whoever it was. And, you know, that's what it's all about in that series is that, you, like you said, you see him every year. Grayson Allen is just the newest player that we've seen just like that. Um, and, like, John Shire, Greg Paulus. It's all the same thing, but and there's less and less as the years have gone on. But the newest ones have been Joey Baker, Matthew Hurt, and I don't know about you. I don't know about you, Matt, but after seeing them for just a few games this season, I already don't like them. So <laughs> it doesn't have to be a few years for me. I could not stand looking at Matthew Hurt tonight, and Joey Baker. Just the classic Duke look. Just imagine how spoiled college basketball fans were in the 90s and early 2000s though. You got to watch Antoine Jameson play for multiple years. You got to watch Grant Hill play for multiple years. You got to watch uh, Vince Carter play for multiple years. I mean, even in the 80s, man, Michael Jordan is staying three years. It's never going to be like that again. Um, and like you said, heck, I hate these guys even after one year. So I don't, I don't want to see Jason Tatum for three years. I'll go ahead and tell you that because that would be a scary sign. I don't want to see Zion for three years. But it would be kind of cool, you know, if, if you had Kobe and Zion playing against each other two or three years later. Never will happen, but I'm just dreaming. Hey, that's the topic for this summer once the season's over. I'd love to talk about that pay-for-play model. <laughs> All right. I think it's been a great episode. Man, we are on top of the world. Um, go to hell, Duke. But one more thing. I'm looking out my window, and I see hundreds of people on Franklin. What's up with that? <laughs> it's unreal. Um, these people rushing Franklin Street, most of these people have not seen a single UNC game this year. It's not like we have this huge community that was just waiting for us to get a win over Duke and maybe solidify our place in the NCAA tournament and kick Duke out of it. No one knows anything about that. If you walk down the street yesterday, people might not have even known the game was tonight, let alone at 6 o'clock, for goodness sake. So I think most of it is it's just been so ingrained into the culture of UNC that when you beat Duke, you at least go to Franklin Street and rush Franklin. So then you have people going to Franklin to watch other people rush Franklin and then people get closer and closer because you get there and say oh it's not too bad and then all of a sudden you have a bad picture and yeah. that's what it looked like in, um, tonight but hopefully everyone's, everyone's staying safe continually get tested it's been a great program at UNC hallpass.unc.edu get tested just about every three four days and you know I've been very impressed with that system so um, I feel very safe here and hope it continues. Listen, uh, <clears throat> CNN, Daily Tar Heel, Fox News, they're going to focus on the picture of Franklin Street and everybody partying on Franklin Street. I'm going to focus on the picture of Caleb Love throwing it down the neck of the Duke Blue Devils. And that's all I care about at this moment. 
like Will said, stay safe, be happy, and it's a great day to be a Tar Heel. And that's the Carolina way. Thank you.